Hello, boys and girls. You're in the comfy lounge. This Thanks, is kids. Two Millennials Talk. I'm Keon Rose. I'm Russell Stroud. And I think we finally nailed this, by the way, after after over a year of doing this, in which we finally say our own names correctly. <laughs> we don't say each other's names anymore. <laughs> Wait, we're, I don't know. One time, like, I just had a brain fart, and I said your name. And yeah. I was like, yep, I'm Russell Stroud. Why not? Sure. Let's roll with that. We should switch. <laughs> <laughs> just every now and then. We should, like, switch lives for a week and see what happens. Well... You, I don't know how much you like not sleeping, but I don't like having to wake up. I like, I like my life because I don't really sleep. Yeah. But I am used to that. Having to go to sleep and wake up again is my problem. Oh, yeah. I'm used to going to sleep at like 1030 at night and then waking up at five in the morning. I still can't do it. Yeah. If I go to bed at 1030 at night, I'll still wake up at 10 in the morning. Oh, gosh. I'll just take all the 12 hours of sleep. Uh, you would not make it in this business. No, I would not. <laughs> I mean, no. this part of the business anyway. I mean, I, I'm sure I could adapt, but I wouldn't like it. Oh, it took years. It's it's taken years. <laughs> Some say it's still a process. It is. It's a never-ending process. And you know what? Anyone who does it will tell you it's a never-ending process. Because, you know, Val's been doing it for years and years and years. She got she used to get up earlier than me. She got up at like 4 in the morning. And she's, Have mercy. Yeah. So it, you never get used to it. No. I need a vacation is basically what I'm saying. So well, let's just get to the to the big news. Oh, shall we? To the big news, Mr. Kanye West. My friend Kanye. Making making the news. <laughs> and I, I hopped off the Kanye West bandwagon, musically speaking, a very long time ago. Okay. 808s and Heartbreaks, I thought, I, I really liked that album where a lot of people probably didn't. And then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I was okay with that album. And I think, like, looking back on it now, I think it holds up pretty well. But I... I wasn't big on it when it came out. Um, the the last two albums, both Yeezus and Life of Pablo, I hated them both. Really? Yeah. Everyone um, seemed to love Life of Pablo for people, whatever reason. People love Life of Pablo. It's very experimental. Yeah. But I feel like it. It some of it feels rough and not finished to me, personally. So it's, it's kind of like Pet Sounds, but without the polished feel. Yeah. And... The the problem with that is like we like I feel like we give Kanye a pass on that because he is Kanye and he is a brilliant guy and like there are a lot of ideas on that album that are amazing because he is a brilliant producer of music. Yeah. I just I just can't get into the whole album. Like it just there's some of it that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. But Kanye as a person who who says things out loud and means them mm. with his ideas and whatnot, that guy <laughs> That guy is an interesting guy. <laughs> oh, he's fascinating, and I really like him. Actually, I, I kind of really you like really the, like him. I really like the new Kanye, or I guess he's the old Kanye. No, he's, he's the old Kanye. Yeah, I really like this Kanye. I'm I'm fairly certain Kanye has always struck me as like particularly mentally unstable, and so maybe that's why I like him. Probably <laughs> Kanye West decided that he was going to sit in the TMZ studios and deliver the hottest of hot takes, <laughs> being a cowboy shooting from the hip. Yep, and he. Basically said that slavery was a choice. I believe the quote was something along the lines of 400 years. They had you there for 400 years, all y'all, and you were still slaves. That sounds like a choice. Well, I have um, I have a news article from uh, NBC pulled up here because I really don't want to give TMZ web traffic. Uh, no, don't. Yeah. So 
according to NBC, rapper Kanye West on Tuesday, that's yesterday, sorry, that's not yesterday anymore, that's Tuesday, <laughs> described slavery as a choice, praising oh. Donald Trump for doing the impossible by becoming U.S. president and attributed his 2016 mental breakdown to opioid addiction. So Kanye's had some, some drug problems. I think everyone knows that, and that's, you know, that's his problem. Uh, in the latest in a series of startling interviews, <laughs> tweets, and videos, Kanye, <laughs> who's now 40, by the way, West is 40, Wow. Uh, revealed that he has undergone liposuction some years ago because he did not want to be called fat. So he he has some self-image issues. We kind of knew that already. The Grammy Award-winning musician's most controversial comments came in a rambling video interview at the Southern California offices of the celebrity website TMZ. He emerged from a year's silence on Twitter two weeks ago to post up to 20 tweets an hour on topics including politics, philosophy, and fashion. At one point in the TMZ interview shown on the website, Wes says, when you hear about slavery for 400 years, 400 years, that sounds like a choice. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a funny, t- that sounds like something Sam would say. Sam Hyde, I mean. Sam Sam Hyde would absolutely say that, but he Sam Hyde is is a is a jokester, like he's a trickster. Yeah. Granted, he stays entirely in character, so you're never going to you're never going to know yeah. what is actually his opinion and what is a joke. But that is also part of the humor. Kanye was serious. Yes, and I I have a big problem with this. Uh, Kanye is someone who who may have never heard of Nat Turner. Is is yeah Nat Turner's rebellion that didn't end well for. For anyone, and really there, anyone. Yeah. There were minor uh, other slave rebellions. Minor. But, have you heard of Haiti? Yeah. Which Haiti was such a problem. Napoleon sold Louisiana, <laughs> <laughs> and they still had to pull out eventually because it was just out. it was just it was just very problematic. But in terms of slaves having the ability to fight in in the American South for their own freedom, it wasn't possible in the way that it, that it was in Haiti. Because of like the, the uh, all the political stuff going on in France that like caused Napoleon to because Napoleon was fighting like a lot of battles on a lot of fronts. Well, yeah, Napoleon was overextended. He couldn't send thousands of troops out to quell a slave rebellion in Haiti. It just didn't work. Uh, Americans, on the other hand, you have a slave rebellion on your own homeland, and they don't have guns. It's not really that hard to quell, right? And so, to me, I, of course, it's not a choice. And, and I, like, how is that? How is that okay to say? Like nobody. That was a slave in the American South for any of the 400 years that that was going on wanted to be there. Now, I will clarify, and Kanye, by the way, has clarified his comments, but people don't like to post about, but Kanye actually himself has clarified comments, and he, he sort of backtracked a little bit, you know, I think Kanye was speaking off the cuff a little bit too yes. much. And and that's the thing, I don't, I don't, I know he backtracked it, I actually read what, uh, what he said when yeah. he was sort of walking those statements back. Yeah. Which, you know, it makes way more sense when you read what he said later to add context. It's like, you know, in this day and age, you know, we shouldn't be enslaved to the government, whatever. I, OK, I get it. Like, I kind of agree at that point. But yeah, yeah but it, this, I think the original point that we're, of what you said makes no still, sense. still stands and still makes no sense. And yeah. you are a gigantic ignoramus for thinking it. <laughs> I mean, I can't get too mad. I mean, he's black. I can't really say anything. About <laughs> but I am also black. And so my, black, my yeah. anger levels and blood pressure like shot through the roof when I heard him say that because it's just like. <laughs> You, you. If you accidentally read a book once, yeah. you'd know that makes no sense. And it's weird because well, he is a college dropout. <laughs> Fair enough, <laughs> but you know. And I didn't go to college, so maybe I'm on a you and, know, whole other level. College was eight of the four best years of my life. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly a brilliant student either. Yeah, I read though. <laughs> I've read Wikipedia a few times. Yeah, um, I've, I've watched enough Horatio Hornblower to know how slave rebellions go. Um, yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> 
I don't know. The NAACP, by the way, came out with a statement uh, on Twitter saying there's a lot of misinformation out there and we are happy to provide insight. Black people have fought against slavery since we first landed uh, on this continent. And Kanye uh, before uh, was talking about when slaves first got sold, you know, in Africa to the Spanish and to the British and the French, I think, engaged in that in Africa. I'm not sure. Probably. Um, He was talking about how, like, you know, someone at some point on the African continent was like, look, guys, you're going and we're staying. Which is kind of a you know morbidly funny thought, I guess. But I mean, it it is. I just I I should point out that different cultures, and it doesn't make it okay. But different cultures have different ideas as to what it is that slavery is. Yeah, the Jewish one is probably the most forgiving. Yeah, like you you have um, the, like the idea of chattel slavery was a new concept at that time. Where yeah, you, that's a, yeah. Where you're tr- sending people in mass, and you really are treating them in a lot of ways like cattle. When African slavers kept each other as slaves, there was there was the knowledge that, yeah, your your people are probably going to come back eventually and liberate you and capture us. And this is just going to go back and forth forever. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. At no point did anybody think when you send people off on ships that they were going to be chained and their and their children were going to be chained yeah. and their children are going to be chained. Like no one no one could have ever thought that if you were in an African tribe selling off someone else. To Europeans, like it wasn't something that w- would have crossed your mind in that way because that was not what your view of slavery was. Slavery still sucks. Don't do it. But like that's it does and, and happen. Yeah. It, yeah, and it was still like primitive to do that for all parties involved. Yeah, but when you have the idea that you are selling someone and all future generations of them, that that probably changes your view of of whether or not you make that decision at least a little bit. Yeah, just a tad. You know, like in the Israeli system, or I should say the Jewish system, you know, if you read the Bible, pretty much everyone who's listening has, if you read the Bible, the idea of slavery is actually like, it's not too bad, actually, because you're treated like a member of the household. I mean, like in a good way, you're treated like a member of the household, you're free after seven years, you have an option to stay. I mean, it's like, dang, man, that's not too bad, you know, like seven years. Okay. I treat it like a member of the family. It's a sin to abuse me. All right. Okay. That's not too terrible. It There's... Yeah, like, there, there are rules to it. It's and, like unpaid internship, really. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know all about those. Oh, yeah. Um, being, being part of a few. So <laughs> I mean, that's just the media business. Yeah. But it, it's still it's still to me just like absolutely crazy that, that he would have said that in the first place. Granted, it is Kanye. And Kanye is the master of I don't think before I speak ever. Kanye says to crap to say crap. And I mean... And it's fun. <laughs> yeah, and he's and Kanye also understands how the media works and he does have an album coming up. Yeah. And so yeah, part of this is look at me, look at me, my album's coming up. But I just think that there's a line you don't cross there. And per and possibly you don't suggest that slavery was a choice. You are Kanye West. Your last name is West. The people who owned your ancestors' last name was West. That's how you got to be West. So the idea that this was some choice that you had. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And I and yeah, uh, the fact that you know the I think the TMZ reporter's name was Van that that told Kanye that he was you know hurt and offended and all yeah, those yeah. things. Like yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean it is. I guess if you come from that heritage, I can't speak personally, but if you come from that heritage, I imagine that would be pretty pretty hurtful and offensive. Well, okay. Well, so for instance, we talk about the 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 gang problems in Chicago. Sure. Which a lot of that comes from the fact. That like Chicago is a very segregated city and it is segregated by design and how all those black people wound up being in Chicago is a lot of them fled the South after um, after the the Civil War and and 
most of them were afraid of being lynched and moved north. Chicago was a city that accepted them, so they were there. Then they got segregated. So, like, you can see how, like, just dominoes are knocking over each other to get to the point where we are today, where we have actual problems that people are combating and fighting. And then you just suggest that, oh, no, it was a choice. We all just could have gotten out of that one if we wanted to. Yeah, it's I mean, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is the same way. So is Washington, D.C., which is kind of weird to think that you have, you know, like, people living in the projects who are descended from the, the slaves of, you know, Thomas Jefferson. It's just kind of a bizarre thought. Right. It, it's it's a pretty crazy idea when you think about it. Yeah, sure. like, it's weird, man. I mean, not to bash Thomas Jefferson too much. Everybody had slaves back then. But, yeah, I mean, it's it crazy times. Yeah. I mean, it's just it just is what it is. And so, like, yeah, people sort of fled racism in the south to find like a new different kind of racism in the north yeah which is just like no we're not going to tell you you're inferior we're just going to legislate your inferiority yeah which i think at least this is official inferiority yeah like if you're if you're in the south people just tell you things you know (laughs) like if you're in the north it's like everyone tells you you're normal and you're fine yeah but then you look around at your school and realize like it's just a crap school how did that happen yeah you know, um, I remember when we when we lived in Maryland, my school was on the verge of being closed down pretty much constantly. Yeah, weren't you guys running out of, like, paper and stuff? It, it wasn't that we were running out of paper, but they had these tests every year. And the teachers, like, you, whether or not you remained a teacher was tied to, like, how well your kid's performance was. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, like, when I think back on it, like, some really shady stuff was going on with the test scores because I was moved around from, like talented and gifted class to talented and gifted class hmm. so that so i could pull up scores apparently because because like my parents were like no you're gonna read a lot my parents did the whole immigrant thing where it was just oh, like yeah. no you're just you're gonna read books and you're gonna be super smart and you're gonna be a doctor and that's just that so <laughs> I, i've disappointed them all but my point is yeah. <laughs> that you know it they there's there's a school the school system was like struggling and suffering and they found like one kid that could help and they identified a number of kids like that and we just sort of all got passed around to try and pull up the, the general average of the test scores of the school, <laughs> of all the classes. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's problematic. But it, it did start with slavery, and probably even before then. But definitely, as far as the American lineage goes, slavery. How, how on earth? How, like, so, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let Kanye West off the hook on that one. Like, I really yeah. can't. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> he made, a, he made a, silly, a silly statement. But I have to say, I, I'm kind of like... I'm a little bit impressed with Kanye, not necessarily because I agree with his positions, but just because like the things he said, it's like kind of off the wall. A little off the wall. He also said in that interview that that Donald Trump was his guy, and yeah. well, we've known that for a long time, though. That's not anything yeah. new. And he he did make like he did make a really good point that I think people kind of passed over because you have to pass over it for the, right. for what he ultimately wound up saying. Maybe that's why he said it. <laughs> but he made he made a really good point about how Donald Trump was a figure in rap music, you know. I think Mac Miller has a song called Donald Trump yeah. that being as rich as Donald Trump was a thing that rappers, I don't want to say aspired to, but certainly material wealth and material progress in rap music has been a known commodity. And Donald yeah. Trump is the guy that has made himself famous on the fact that like no one's got more money than me. And like, if you listen to, to rap music all throughout the nineties and two thousands, if you want to reference how rich you are, one of your rap lines is going to include at some point Donald Trump. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody turned on Donald Trump the moment he got elected. <laughs> and that seems awfully hypocritical. I think Kanye's right about that. I do. Yeah. But yeah, it's still an excuse, the slavery line. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye, I think Kanye's one of those guys who's not socially conservative, but I think he is 
uh, I think he's sort of fiscally conservative. Yeah. If that makes any sense? He well, comes across that way. I think, I, honestly, and I don't think he's the only one. I don't even think he's the only rapper. Um, no, probably not. I mean, when you come from such a, I hate to use this word, but when you come from such a, like a real background, you know, quote unquote, a real background, like like Kanye does, you know, he grew up poor and that kind of thing. Uh, I think he did, didn't he? He did, yeah. Okay, yeah, just making sure I'm not confusing with someone else. Uh, I mean, I mean, 90% of rappers, I feel like you could just toss that dart out there. Yeah. Maybe not modern rappers, because like a lot of rappers now are just like, yeah, I grew up in the suburbs and I had friends. But yeah. but like, in definitely if you started in the 2000s and 90s, like you, you didn't grow up rich. Yeah. Uh, people like that, though, tend to, especially, you know, semi-blue collar families, they tend to grow up more conservative. And Kanye West, just because he's rich and lives in, you know, Hollywood doesn't mean he can't be fiscally conservative. Yeah. And Kanye West is a guy that busted his hump to get to where he was. Yeah. He made a lot of beats for other rappers before he got his chance. So he just had to get just trying to get his foot in the door. He was a ghostwriter for a lot of other rappers, mm-hmm. just an uncredited writer on a lot of rap lyrics that, you know, you, you, you write these, these, these bars for somebody else and you never get credit for it, but you do it to sort of build up connections in rap music. You have to do all of that stuff. And he, he paid his dues and like now he has money. And it's like it's the exact argument that conservatives have made forever so far as fiscally stuff like financially stuff goes if you earn your money of course you want to keep it i mean he's yeah he's basically the the thesis of everything that republicans have been saying for the last long time is like it doesn't matter what your background is you work hard you do well you'll get there i'm not gonna lie i'm not i'm not entirely certain why it is that most like republicans don't embrace rappers more like as far as just branding goes well they're old white guys yeah i mean so are democrats but you know i'm not saying I'm not saying listen to the music and like the music, but like if you have more appreciation and respect for the person making the music, that it wasn't easy for a lot of these guys to get to where they are. Even a guy like like Two Chains, who went to I think Two Chains went to either Harvard or Princeton. Really, like the guys the guy's an intelligent guy. Yeah, you know, and and he's an incredibly smart business person. Yeah. And so you're just like if you if you really Look at rappers. Honestly, there is a huge link that I, if I were a Republican and I were trying to do some form of rebranding for the Republican Party, uh-huh. um, because Democrats have just been hammering them forever with, yeah, you guys don't care about black people. Mm. And honestly, the Republican Party hasn't done like the greatest job of making it seem like they actually do. Right. Um, rappers, like that's the first place you'd go. And Seriously. Then, then athletes, <laughs> because like, like 80% of the NBA is black, 75% of the NFL is black. The, the, like merit-based jobs. That is, pre- that is specifically where I would go. Well, that's uh, I was thinking about this earlier because the NFL just recently drafted a dude who has like one arm or something, right? Yeah, Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, like that's that's freaking meritocracy there, bro. Like he has one arm, but he's yeah. so good, he got drafted. He got drafted and and I hope it works out for him, but like cuz he he again, you have you know how hard you have to work to be to be a linebacker, the to, to be the job, your job is to tackle people. Yeah. And you've got one arm. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're good at it, it doesn't matter, man. Like, if you're good at it, whatever your physical traits are, it doesn't matter. You're good. If you're right. good, you're good. And that's pretty That's pretty much, like, for me, what I've always respected about Republicans is just, like, that, that merit-based mindset. Because I think that that's... I think that's just how life works. I mean, you do have to get a little bit lucky too. Sure. Um, it's never just you. I think you need other people helping you in your life. But overwhelmingly, if you work really hard, you're you're going to do fine, and you, you should reap the rewards of what it is that you've gone out there and done. Um, and then, like having that taken away from you and distributed when you were the person who worked hard seems awfully unfair. 
I think that is actually an argument that Republicans ought to make by using rappers as their example, because rappers don't share with anybody how it is that you don't like it's just it just it seems like a layup to me i don't know maybe i'm just (laughs) i mean life is unfair but my philosophy has always been there's situations and there's how you react to them yeah and your reaction yeah your reaction is is a thousand percent more important than the situation you're put in because if you think about uh think about someone like donald trump the situation he gets himself in okay fine but how he reacts to them are like 80 percent of the negative comments he gets about him is how he reacts to these situations it's not that the situations exist it's that he's reacting to them in a certain way and people don't like him for it, no matter what the results are right you know it's just that they're they're upset because of he said a certain thing you know whatever his actions are presidentially speaking his actions are pretty normal it's yeah. how he's reacting uh, uh, vocally and with his language and everything, it just puts people off. When you say that Donald Trump doesn't come off as presidential, I agree with you. It's entirely reaction based. Yes, that's that's entirely what we're talking about. You know, the well, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think she said people go at Donald Trump, so he goes back at them harder. Well, there there isn't a president in American history, at least in the history since we've we've been re- uh, tracking this on radio, yeah, where you have sound bites. That can just be so damning. There isn't a president since then, at least, that has gone back at anybody in the way that Donald Trump has gone back yeah. at people. Well, like, not only do you have the sound bites, you have access to them within 10 seconds of them having been said. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I see, I use the CBS radio newsfeed all the time. It's what we use for work daily. And seriously, there will be something that was said 30 minutes ago, and we have it right there with someone reporting on it. I mean, it's just amazing. And you didn't have that. Even in the early Obama administration, you just didn't have that kind of thing. It it wasn't as instantaneous. And I think part of it, too, is that Obama, Obama, honestly, is, has done a lot of the same things that Trump has done. It's yes. like, like the idea that, that Donald Trump is this new wild president and boy, he's offered something <laughs> new. Like, no, this is pretty Donald Trump might be the most American president that we've ever had in terms of just being what we have allowed all of our presidents to do. Yeah. He's just happens to be doing like all of them at once. And so we don't like that. But we also don't like any of his reactions to like when we say, hey, Donald, don't don't do that. He doesn't react well. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing is like with the Korea situation, I think is the the absolute best example because he called he called Kim Jong-un little rocket man. I mean, yeah, like, like, are you trying to start World War three? But then look where we are. The South Koreans, they met. Yeah. The South Koreans are crediting him with the peace talks they're having. Like, and, and how do you get there from that? And, and the, well, and I think part of it, too, is the fact that he doesn't mind being the wild card. He doesn't mind being the bad guy. And that probably was necessary to make all of that nece- like make all of that happen. Yeah. So you have to give him the credit for for doing that. But like as far as there being a precedent for it, we've just never had it. So we yeah, don't really know how to react to him. I mean, yeah, he really is the first and he gets a lot of hate for being the first at a lot of things. But I mean, <laughs> the the president of South Korea whose name shamefully I forget, the president of South Korea is recommending he gets a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's just crazy stuff. He probably should get one. He honestly kind of deserves it for the South Korea thing. Yeah. If if, if that all does actually get ironed out, you probably should consider giving him one. I think they'll never give him one, obviously, because right. just, just the, bias. the politics of the Nobel Peace yeah. Prize. But he's more deserving than some people who have won it. Yeah, so. well, I mean, we, we know who you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, it was an achievement. It was an achievement what he did. But, you know, on both sides, it was an achievement what he did. I'm not sure if, uh, 
I'm not sure if Obama becoming elected president is necessarily, in, you know, deserving of a Nobel Peace Prize, but certainly he did, you know. His yeah, it was something that mattered. I just don't think that that's necessarily Nobel Peace, Nobel Peace Prize worthy. You're listening to Two Millennials Talk on Nuga Radio 92.7 FM. You're listening to all new Nuga Radio, NugaRadio.com, here on 92.7 FM, Two Millennials Talk. I'm Keon Rose. I'm Russell Stroud. And I went last week to go see Avengers Infinity War. I'll actually go again tomorrow so I can take my uh, little brother to go see it. And that movie was fun. Well, that's a good word to describe a Marvel movie. Yeah, well, they haven't all been fun, is, is the thing. The, the last Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, was the opposite of fun, in my opinion. As was Iron Man 3, my, my standby, unfun Marvel movie. I would say that uh, of all the movies, because I think it was just 19 now, or whatever. It's too many. Is what it's it. too many, is what it is, yeah. But Iron Man 3 is the worst of the 19. Okay. Well, I, I think, and I and I and I stand by that entirely. At least I know I went to see the worst in the theater and then quit watching. <laughs> <laughs> quit watching all of them. Uh, well, I, you have avoided some other ones. I mean, like I said, Age of Ultron wasn't great. I think yeah. that one is. I didn't so much avoid that one as I just like didn't get a chance to see it though. Yeah, and then it passed. It, if it passes you by, first off, it's the least connected of all the movies. Like if you didn't see Age of Ultron specifically, yeah, this this movie still makes a ton of sense. Yeah. See, here's the thing: is I, I saw, and we've talked about this before, but I, I saw Avengers. And then I saw Avengers again, like on TV after watching it in the theater. And I really didn't like it in the theater. I watched it again on the TV. I was like, maybe it just needs to grow on me. I liked it even less when I saw it the second time. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not just me. Maybe the movie just really sucks. No, the movie just really sucked. Yeah, and I realized, like, wait a minute. Avengers really, really sucks. And no one else seems to think so. Well, the, the first of it, the thing, I think the novelty of it the first time around was that it was so cool. And, I want, and I'm actually wondering about Infinity Wars on that aspect, where yeah. if... When you go back and watch it, if after the novelty of Doctor Strange talking to Spider-Man, when that wears off, is there a good movie standing there? I mean, we see Doctor Strange talking to Spider-Man in the comics, though. It's not like that weird. It, I guess it's not that weird, but there's still some live action aspect of it that feels very exciting, um, to, at least to me. Yeah. Um, like just of just seeing comic book characters portrayed by real actual people and looking like it, like. Benedict Cumberbatch makes a really good Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, all the acting choices, the casting choices are awesome. Except for me, Black Widow. All the casting <laughs> choices are great, but I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's not the casting. It's not even the. It, there's just something about like the character design and like the. It just seems disingenuous, and it's just like I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just a hipster. It's it, that's that's also distinctly possible. Yeah, I mean, um, you know that's pretty. We possible. we we are hipsters. I think you're more of a movie hipster than me, and I'm the music hipster. And that's just yeah. kind of that's how we balance this show. That's true. Yeah. Is that I get to be overly snobby about music. I'm so snobby about music that I don't know any bands. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> so it's like let's not let's not even try to listen to anything. There's nothing that meets my impossible standards. I have extremely high standards <laughs> that are basically based upon like were you posted in an obscure shoegaze <laughs> blog in 2009. If you weren't there, I don't care about I you. I don't really care about you, yeah. yeah. I uh, <laughs> I listen to everything, and then like 90% of the stuff that crosses my way is like, ah, oh, that sucks. Why did I listen to that? Yeah. Well, hey, you went to see a band you liked. That's true. I went to go see Beach House on Monday. Uh, they're my second favorite band after the radio department. So there, there's there's the snootiness on display. But Beach House, <laughs> they were really fun. They're, they're a pretty mellow band generally, Yeah. but they were loud. 
I heard Beach House. I haven't listened to Beach House in a long, long time. Last time I listened to Beach House was when I was first getting into shoegaze, which is in like 2010 or something like that. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, and then uh, 2010, I think, um, I think Teen Dream was the album that came out around. Yeah, it. you know, I think that was it. There was some band, and this has been a long time. There was some band I listened to forever ago. They had like an EP. There was like four tracks on it, if I, as far as I remember. It was a shoegaze band or dream pop band. I didn't know the difference at the time, if there is one. And uh, like one of the tracks was called like Sh- uh, Seagull, and I cannot find the dang thing. And really? I, I keep thinking that it's Beach House, but I don't think it was. The track was called Seagull. It was a shoegaze dream pop thing. I cannot find the thing anywhere. Maybe We're- I just haven't Googled far enough or something. We're going to try and hunt for that, and I'll, we'll try and keep you guys updated on yeah. that, because I'm actually now interested and curious. Yeah, it's just a Google Foo. And, one of, and that's the thing. One of the things that got me into really obscure music was hunting music. Oh, yeah. And oh, like, yeah. I would hear part of a song and maybe catch three words, and that was it. Now, now it's time to Google it and find it, and the challenge was on to see if you could actually get it. And I have a number of, of bands that I really love just based on having to hunt them down. And they hold a special place to me, despite yeah. the fact that maybe they're just pretty good. Because I actually had to to find them and search for them. Remember that one? Uh, the only way you were able to get it is because I seeded it to you on Soulseek at that time. <laughs> yeah. For like Australian shoegaze band from 1997. Oh, earlier than that. Earlier was, than that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like 93, I think. Or something. It was really early. It was like surprisingly early. I mean, it's to me, like that's that's really fun stuff. And also like having rare music just feels nice. It does feel kind of cool. Even if it is a digital copy, you feel kind of cool about it. Yeah, like it's just that was just hard to find. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty much it. And most people wouldn't even bother to try is yeah. the thing. And uh so yeah, in that way just just we are particularly hipster. Um speaking of which, I felt like a super duper duper hipster because I was at the concert and the band that opened for Beach House was Sound of Series. Okay. And I was uh talking to someone on on Mr. Chan's blog mm. and they had recommended Sound of Series. And like I just got hooked on that album immediately, and so when I when I went to go to the show, and they they said, "Well, we're Sound of Series," and I just went, <laughs> like, just the coincidence that the week before I just started listening to this, but I know no one else in the audience knew because well, I knew words to the song. It and, makes me raise the question though, like, why were band members from Sound of Series browsing a uh, basket Mongolian basket weaving forum? That's a great question, and I have, I'm sure that was what it was. <laughs> and like they were just putting their stuff out there, like, hey. Yeah. Oh, that but, happens more often than you would think, actually. It it does though. Um, and they're they're also part of another band that I've been listening to for a while. So it, like it just uh, the the two singers from that band started Sound of Series to try mm. and like experiment with some different sounds. But they were in like the band Candy Claws, okay. and that was a lot of people's like shoegaze album of the year two years ago, which was a I missed it, it somehow. Just a, yeah, it's it's really it's a really weird album. Okay, like it's a concept album about. A, a planet traveling girl and her talking pet otter but it's a really it's also it sounds really nice that just sounds like an m83 album yes i'll note by the way both m83 and sound of series are are uh are uh, planetary based names i'm assuming is it c-e-r-e-s yes then they're yep. both planetary and, yeah and names. they mention it in the show oh yeah because they were they were talking about series and how it's uh and like where it is in space but they were more interested in what it is that series sounds like and it's like this is super pretentious but also very fun i i well, liked it and i got to meet them at the after the show and oh. they're really nice people you know what 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 pains me though is that i actually kind of know 
at least vaguely what the sound of Sirius sounds like because I've actually listened to like audio interpretations of, <laughs> of radio awesome. telescopes before. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just the nerdiest thing that's ever happened on the radio. We top ourselves every week. <laughs> we, we do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you just when you think it can't reach that peak, never, never doubt us. Oh, speaking of nerdy, you want to talk about my new acquisition? Let's do it. Okay, so I got myself a Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I got myself a Chromebook. It's a uh, Acer uh, Chromebook R11. And the cool thing about Chromebook, I got this specifically for my work for, for here because it basically is like, I, I call it a browser on wheels. That's basically what it is. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a glorified tablet. It looks like a laptop. In fact, it looks like a knockoff MacBook <laughs> it <does>. um, <laughs> and it does exactly what I need to do for work, which is it browses the web. It accesses Google drive and Google docs and all the other Google crap. It can go on Twitter. It can go on basket weaving forums uh, it can watch YouTube. It can do all the other internet stuff. It can watch Netflix. It can watch HBO, which I obviously I need for work. <laughs> and uh, that's it. It it basically it has to be connected to the internet or else it's completely useless because um, it has 16 gigabytes of storage. It connects to basically everything through the cloud. I've expanded that. I have a little USB 3.0, uh, 64 gigabyte flash drive, which I use to store images, and I have a, a TV series on it and everything, uh, which I legally acquired. Uh, and uh, yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it, it does exactly what I need it to do. But the cool factor is that it's a, uh, they call it a convertible. It, the screen will flip around, and you have basically a, a, a overpowered tablet. Which is pretty cool. And It's the, really and, dang cool, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was watching you use it earlier. It's got... But like the response on it is really good. The touch sensitivity is really good. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you, there are some tablets that essentially they don't respond very well. Well, and, you know, I've been running this thing all day uh, and I am at right now. Let me see how much charge is. I'm at 37 percent. I've been running the thing all day. So since like five in the morning, it's been going. Oh, wow. It has a 10 hour battery time. I spent some of that, you know, in downtime, but I have not plugged it in since about nine o'clock this morning. OK, so, yeah, the that's a great. I think that's a great pickup there. That was like my number one, one of my, okay, it's like my number two reason for wanting it is because the battery life was so good. I don't think the Chromebook Pixel, which is $1,000, I don't think the Chromebook Pixel has that, uh, or Pixel Book, whatever they're calling it, has that good a, a battery life. Um, this was $180. And oh, wow. So it's basically disposable. And I was telling you about this earlier, um, which is completely useless to, to say on the radio. I was telling you about this earlier. Right. Why would you ever say that? Um uh, but uh, basically, because it is cloud connected, I could basically like unplug my USB drive, throw the thing in a river, go on eBay, buy another one, plug my USB drive back in, log into Google, and it would be like nothing happened. Which is which is really cool to have that continuity. Yeah, I I think that's where our computers. I I think that's where we want them to go. And it's funny because that was the concept for workstations in the '90s and 2000s was the thing called thin clients. Where in an office, especially in hospitals, they tried this out a lot. You would have a server in the basement, and you would have a bunch of virtual machines. And it would just be a little network-connected box. And really all it did was display and connect with your input-output. And that was it. It had like 256 megabytes of RAM or like 64 you know, back in the 90s or early 2000s because that was a lot at the time uh, and uh, or average amount at the time. And it would just connect to the server and you'd have all these different VMs running on it and uh, you would have a card and this card would be like your login. You plug the card into whatever thin client was there and all of your information, like your session would come up on that thin client. Say you're in a hospital. Okay, you're in 
patient number one's room. Uh, okay, load up his logs. I write in this log. Okay, unplug my card. Go up two floors. I need to see patient number 10. Plug in my card. All that same information is now back on the screen loaded from the server. So it's a cool idea, but in the 90s, it was really not feasible on a broad consumer scale. Now that we're approaching the age where internet is basically everywhere through 4G and now coming up 5G, um, this kind of thing is really actually kind of possible. The thin client mode or model is like kind of coming through fruition through these like Chromebooks and through these netbooks. And it's really kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess all of the stuff that we, we use now has been experimented with some place before that maybe we may not have realized it. But I think that this is something that has been in the works for a while, I've, at least from the aspect of you read it, you read about it in fiction before you get the chance to actually yeah. see it. But when you see it, I, I like my favorite thing about technology is just how fast people just adopt it and act like this is the way that things have always been. Oh, yeah. Um, because it makes so much sense. I mean, this is year. This is like thirty years of development that went into this kind of concept. And if you go back to the development of the internet, this is like seventy years of development that went into this thing working the way it does. Not even counting like transistors and you know all that kind of crazy right. stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's really when you think about it, all of humanity's endeavors in technology developments uh, culminated into this <laughs> this little machine. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I look at stuff like that, and maybe I'm just easily impressed by things. But I just look at that and I go, "That's magic!" Like well, that really. I'll, I'll make it look even more magical. Look at my storage use. It's three gigabytes. Yeah, I mean, that's unheard of. There is, And that's counting the OS. I have two OSs on this, by the way. I have Exubuntu and I have uh, Chrome OS. I can't get Exubuntu to work yet. I'm still working on that. I started. I got the thing yesterday. So uh, three gigabytes of storage with two OSs on it. Basically, nothing stored locally. I mean, I don't want to be an advocate for the Google botnet, but for work, it's. I mean, you can't go wrong. Listen, there's a reason why... As much as we kick and scream against Google and we kick and scream against Facebook and companies like that, it's, they're kind of hard to cut out of life at this point. I mean, how can I complain about them offloading my storage onto their servers and then me being able to access it instantly from anywhere in the globe? I mean, that's just like crazy stuff. It, it, when it works in your favor, it's really, really cool. I mean, when you never mind the privacy violations, like excluding that, because that is a huge problem. I'm a big advocate for privacy, oddly. Uh, but I mean, like this... Like, never minding the privacy, because that is a big deal. This is amazing. It's just ridiculous. And, by the way, it's cross-compatible with Android, so you can run Android apps on it. Well, now that's, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, so, like, Angry Bird all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that there is just, uh, it's, a, it's a little marvel of technology. Like, I have the, uh, I, I, you can do HBO Go in the browser, but I have the HBO Go app installed, just because I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So, here it is. It's loading up. Uh, this is an Android app. It's loading up right now. So it'll load up your actual like Android apps on the on the thing and it gives you like the back buttons and everything. It's really it's really weird. But when you convert the thing to a tablet, it just works seamlessly. You know, cuz it's basically acting like an Android tablet. Like there we go. Now we're on HBO Go. It's just yeah. crazy stuff. Wow. It just should not be, but it is. I love it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, for under 200 bucks again, you really can't complain. The the, the robot over overlords. It, it's kind of worth it is what I'm saying. I have a friend on Twitter, uh, and he wouldn't listen to the podcast because he's anti-technology, but I have a friend on Twitter <laughs> who's, and, and he, we're friends in real life. We're on good terms. He's a good guy. I like him a lot. Uh, but he's very anti-technology, and he's very into the, like, you know, social media is tearing us apart, and mobile phones are tearing us apart, and all that kind of thing. I don't really get that. I don't really see that because, I mean, back in the 20th century, I'm, I'm totally on a soapbox now. I'm sorry. But back in the 20th century, they, they called, you know, they had like magazine craze where kids weren't were paying attention because they were always reading magazines and books and stuff. I mean, like this is not anything new. 
I, I don't think it's anything new. I am a little worried about it in as much as, and I, and I think we saw this with our last election, people can hide in a bubble. They can find just the stuff that they like. Sure. And that's it. Like, there is an argument for simplicity in technology where when it comes to, like, when people didn't have the ability to just choose whatever media they wanted to, yeah. to, to take in, then they were just sort of forced to, to deal with opposing opinions and you were forced to deal with, with learning th- things through sources that maybe you don't necessarily agree the most with. Now it's like, oh, no, I don't like Fox News. I'm going to hide from Fox News. And that's it. Like you just you just don't pay any attention to anybody who says things that you you disagree with. Well, I have a counterpoint, if you don't mind. No, go for it. Okay, Timothy McVeigh was back in the mid-90s. I believe it was 95 or somewhere in there. It was Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. Timothy McVeigh was in the pre-World Wide Web, at least, era. Uh, not pre-internet, but pre-World Wide Web. And, I mean, he got, you know, quote-unquote radicalized through uh, Waco and Ruby Ridge. I mean, like, these are worldwide events, and, and basically he just read, like, magazines that fit his worldview. Yeah. And he got, you know, quote-unquote radicalized through that. So, I mean, Ted Kaczynski, for heaven's sake, the Unabomber. Yeah, you, like, you can, and I, here's the thing. I'm not saying that this is a new prospect, but I will say. Well, I know what you're saying. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good counter. I'm just, like I'm, I'm throwing back another punch. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> just, just to see if we can, like, build on something here. Because I, I do think that, like, guys like that, like, definitely exist. And I, uh, I listened to this, this one podcast I think it's like Sam Harris's podcast, and he was interviewing a guy who used to be a neo-Nazi, okay. and he just sort of explained how easy it is for you to fall into that lifestyle. Um, the the bubble sort of gets created for you, but by other people. Yeah, and, and it sort of self-validates over time. Yeah, yeah. You, like you, he didn't even need technology for that one because yeah. it, it happened to him in the early '90s. Like it just you didn't even need it. Um, but what I will say is for for the average person. It's very easy for you as just an average person to just be on Facebook and Facebook knows that you are a liberal and they just throw liberal things at you and you never hear the conservative side. You don't want to hear it and it sounds ridiculous to you. And then when you do hear an opinion that conflicts with your own view of reality, you can't even understand that person, how, how you could come to those ideas. And and so to me, like, that is a problem. I think it's solvable. Like, I don't think it's something where it's just, like, knock yourself off the grid. I do, I do, <laughs> think, I do think what, what it comes down to is being consciously aware of what's happening to you. For the, the same thing that happens with commercials. Like, commercials work, and, and we're in radio, so we know, like, on repetition. Right, yeah, absolutely. Every time you hear a commercial, a neural pathway is created in your brain for that ad. And every time you hear it, it digs a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And then one day you're hungry and you've been hearing, um, I couldn't think of a sponsor that we have that does, that, that provides food services. But um, yeah, you, one day you hear, hey, I want to go to this barbecue place because you've just been listening to that ad so often that it's actually, there's actually a neural pathway in your brain dedicated to that. Like it's, it's, it's basically, if you're aware of it though, if you're aware of what advertising is and how it works, it's not as effective on you. Yeah. I mean, if you want a new motorcycle, you go to Indian motorcycle because you heard it on the radio zillions of times. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. And that process has been operating for how many years now? <laughs> yeah. And cause, and it works like yeah. people treat like advertising, like it's this form of mind control. It isn't, it works through the same, the same passages that makes your favorite song, your favorite song. Right. Like you've just heard it a hundred times. You love it. And the next time you hear it, you still love it because your brain has taken 
to it. You know, even songs that you don't like that you can't get out of your head. Mm-hmm. Like that's just it, it's the same design. It's not mind control. That's how your brain works. Yeah. And it's the same thing with with social media, and I think it's the same thing with a lot of this other stuff. Like, it can be dangerous. Yeah, and you know, the frightening thing about it, especially with Facebook and Twitter and the the big conglomerate Google and all that kind of thing, the scary thing about them is that they have all these billions of dollars to pour into data collection and, and, you know, brainwashing, whatever, because that is their business. You know, I've said this before, Facebook is free because you are the product. It sounds edgy, but it is true. No, it absolutely is true. And if, if something is free... It's because the, the the price that's being paid is over you. It's like it's yeah. It's either your time or it's your privacy. Or it's your data. It's something right. And it's and and it's you know we we talk about Facebook and Google, but this goes for Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. You're sitting sure. there watching the news on TV. It's free. You're the product. The advertisers are actually the customer. With TV and radio and, and standard media, it's almost more honest because anyone knows they're that you're watching because or watching or listening or whatever because mm-hmm. they want you to see the advertiser. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's almost more honest because the intentions are obviously there. It's yeah, that's just, and that's the thing is it's advertisement also news. You know, it, it it blends it in a way that's more transparent, and that's something that obviously can't be understated. But, and that's the issue with all of our privacy stuff online is the transparency is the problem. Is that that Facebook is logging your phone calls and they didn't tell you that they were? Yeah, that is the insidious part of it, and and that is a, a very very big problem, and it goes unfortunately far deeper uh, than we would like. You know, with Facebook, it's easy because you just you know you don't have a Facebook account. It's easy, you know, like socially maybe not, but physically it is easy to just not have a Facebook account. Physically, it is easy to just not have anything to do with Google. You mm-hmm. know, maybe not socially, but physically, it's very easy. And I I actually know several people who do that. And most of them work in cybersecurity. Yeah, but um, and the more that I talk to those people, the more that I, the more paranoid I find that I'm becoming. Like my browser is DuckDuckGo. Oh yeah, and, and like a, a lot of things where it's like, okay, I don't like, I don't really like being tracked like that. And uh, see, my thing, you know, I've, I've seen the praises of the of the Chromebook and everything in Google, but I'm very aware of what it's doing. You know, and I'm not be- any better than anyone else. I need it for work. Is the thing I need this mm-hmm. for work. Uh, yeah, we were talking about how you like you you used to do news updates again amazingly on your phone, which yes. is alarming because I tried to do my sports show with my phone, and I broke down and just bought like my computer broke. I broke down and bought a second computer almost immediately because <laughs> I couldn't do it without a computer. Like it is something that you need, and I think a lot of people need Facebook for. I mean, Facebook's unleashing a dating app. People use Facebook yeah. for business connections. It is something that serves an actual value in your life. That's it's hard. It's hard to cut it off. I think. Yeah, and we as a business use it. We take advantage of its advertising tools and everything. But it's worth noting for just the advocation of the listener that there is really a big privacy problem going on. Yeah, um, and and I like I think we want to be completely transparent about that because it is it's it's hard to live in a world like today without social media. Social media gives you an advantage people never had before. Like yes. you make music, you can reach people that would never, like I would never have heard of Sound of Series without it. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. I'm Pam Coulter. 